Al Jazeera podcast. No food, no water, no fuel, and nowhere to go. As Israel's bombing of Gaza intensifies, Palestinians are facing an unprecedented humanitarian catastrophe. What will it take for life-saving aid to reach the besieged enclave? And can a disaster be prevented? I'm Fully Batibo, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests now. In Gaza is Najla Shawa, Oxfam spokesperson and a Gaza resident. Her family is one of the hundreds of thousands displaced right now because of the Israeli bombardment. In Oxford in the UK is Dr Nick Maynard, a consultant surgeon who visits Gaza regularly to train medical students and doctors. And he's also a member of the UK-based charity Medical Aid for Palestine. And in Cairo, Egypt is Sarah Kira, founder and director of the European North African Centre for Research. Research. A warm welcome to you all. Thank you for joining us on Inside Story. Uh, Najla Shawa in Gaza, please let me start with you. It's been more than 10 days now since the Israeli bombardment of Gaza began, and it's feared that the situation, the humanitarian situation, could get much worse. Can you just tell us first about what the current situation is inside Gaza and um, how much longer can people hold on for without any aid coming into the besieged territory? The situation is uh, is very devastating as it is. Uh, the severity and the extent of uh, of attacks and airstrikes on homes and infrastructure uh, that has been in, uh, continuous the past days have uh, have not given any opportunity for any um, for anything that uh, can be uh, restored or uh, or even for families to connect to communicate to to even move their own belongings uh, families have been uh, for example moving to our home in Gaza city prior to this uh, move uh, to the south that we all did all together. We were already uh, 20, uh, 22 or more in our house and we right. moved all together to to this place. Okay. Um, the situation is, is, uh, is extremely dire. Uh, because uh, there is no access to fuel, mm -hmm. there is no there is uh, damaged and destroyed infrastructure, uh, wastewater treatment plants. There is no access to water, uh, and uh, there is very limited capacity to to physically move, uh, even within the cities and within the towns. Right. Uh, Let me just ask you something briefly. Yeah, Najla, you know Najla, you talked about water there. The Israelis have said uh, that they've restored water to some parts of Gaza, which Hamas has denied. Can you tell us uh, about some of the basic necessities that you have right now, you and your family? Is there any water at all? Is there any, any food? Are you able to get uh, bread, for example, or is that running out completely now? Yeah, the situation where I am in central Gaza is less problematic than the, the south, where there is more um, uh, numbers of, uh, of people displaced, um, the, the ha more heavily populated uh, areas uh, like in Khan Yunus and in Rafah. But mind you, the airstrikes have not stopped. 
I've not stopped in Khan Yunus or in Rafah or in central areas or on the road that they claim to be a safe passage during the evacuation after the, the instructions that the Israelis have put out. So, and also regarding the claim of the of the water, I don't have official any information on uh, on whether it's actually it's back or not. But because the problem is much much more complicated than this, you have water networks that have been destroyed. Entire infrastructure that has been destroyed that is uh, mainly affecting distribution of water. So even if it is uh, connected, which I'm, I'm not sure about and I cannot confirm, it has also limited um, a path. So not the entire south would get it. It gets to a certain area and then it has to be like reservoirs and then has to be redistributed. Mm -hmm. And this capacity is no longer there with no fuel for generators, no uh, and no no proper network. So yeah. it's uh, it's uh, something for the media, I suspect. That's my, my personal opinion. And when it comes to other issues like this area of, of mine, the problem is that we're not connected to public network. We rely mm -hmm. on water wells. And because we rely on water wells, water wells have been so depleted and so bad in terms of quality, we cannot use it for drinking. Mm -hmm. And even if we have the capacity, which is now every day we are trying to resolve the problem for the people here, is to get fuel, because we had some fuel from before, we are still managing. However, right. we have uh, only drinking water until tomorrow. And we are about 60 people here. And we don't know if tomorrow we will be able to find the, 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 the water vendor uh, in, in the area available to bring us water. This is right. all very uncertain and very, very critical. We yeah, also depend on, on uh, fuel to pump water to, for yeah. cleaning and, uh, and washing. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just complicated. You describe a very dire situation food, there, Najla. Food, yeah. Briefly on food, and then I'll, I'll uh, bring in Dr. Maynard to talk to us yeah, about I, the situation I, in I, the hospitals I, in Gaza. Right. The, the food situation, I, I think there was a statement that was issued today uh, from the World Food Programme, which is quite alarming because the situation is already very bleak. You have to be aware of that. Before October 7th, uh, this programme has been suffering from a lack of funding to support very poor population. Now it's saying that uh, food will actually, supplies will run out within four days. So the stocks that available in the strip will will be uh, will be um, uh, depleted. Uh, will not be no longer be available in the coming four days. And this is very uh, very critical. And the problem there is no uh, window, no hope uh, for any uh, um, for any humanitarian corridor, for any right. ceasefire or anything like that. And without such, it's impossible. Uh, just but to see suffering uh, more and more evident. What else? Is the world waiting for for right. more crisis? Yeah. It's not even uh, reaching the news because of also no communication. We will discuss the, the the question of humanitarian corridors in just a moment, Najla. But I want to bring in Dr. Maynard in Oxford. Dr. Maynard, as Najla said, there the situation was bleak even before this latest conflict began. There were already shortages of medical supplies in hospitals, medical equipment. What are you hearing about the current situation in hospitals across Gaza, whether it's in the north or in the south? where some hospitals have been asked to relocate, to move patients to the south, which has been extremely difficult, of course. What are you hearing about the conditions in these hospitals? Uh, that the situation is absolutely desperate and uh, there is a very clear view and I, uh, that I share that the healthcare system in Gaza is on the verge of total collapse if um, aid is not allowed in. 
I hear that up to four hospitals in Gaza are unable to function at all as hospitals because the infrastructure has been so badly damaged. Um, I've had most reports from Shifa Hospital, uh, which is where the hospital I've spent most of my time in um, over the years, and they are essentially hanging on, but with extremely limited resources. They're very worried about the amount of water they have, and they're rationing that now. Uh, they are very frightened that the fuel that is serving their generators is about to run out. And, and if that runs out, uh, then they will no longer be able to keep people alive on ventilators. So the minute that fuel runs out, all ventilated patients will likely die. It'll be extremely difficult to run an operating theatre without mm. electricity from the generators. So they're in a state of, of, of appalling desperation and near collapse of the whole healthcare system. And Dr. Maynard, when you're talking about access to clean water, the lack of access to clean water, you're talking about also here the possibility of, a, of an even wider and an even larger health crisis, aren't you? Most certainly. I mean, the, the, the washing facilities are, are, are very, very few and far between. Dirty water is a big concern. And the, the situations are absolutely ripe for outbreaks of, of communicable infectious diseases. And that's a very, very real risk of, of, of sweeping through the Gazan population. Mm. Sarah, let me bring you into the conversation. Sarah, um, immediate unconditional access to life-saving aid in Gaza is what the United Nations is calling for today. And a number of agencies, including WHO, UNICEF, WFP and UNRWA, say they're all ready to bring aid in to Gaza through the Rafah crossing with Egypt, but also through the Israel border with Gaza. Why is that not happening? Why, why is aid not going into Gaza? Is it being politicized? Well, uh, thank you for having me first. And it's very important to explain the history behind that. Everything that the doctor in the UK mentioned and Najla in Gaza mentioned, this has been the situation for Gaza for the past 18 years. It's very important to point out that this is not the state that Gaza has been living under for just the past week or the past 10 days. It is the situation that the Gaza people, the Gaza population, the place, the Gaza Strip, that is the most populated place in the world, okay? This is the dire situation that everyone has been facing in Gaza for the past 18 years, because Gaza has been under siege and blockade for the past 18 years. And it's very important to point out that Israel has the control over six, six crossing gates or crossing borders, uh, 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 gates like the Rafah one, but the, but the Rafah one is shared between the Egyptian Authority and uh, um, uh, Israel. Okay, right. so they have the authority over six crossing borders out of seven, and they are still not letting the aid in. It's very important to point out that the Gaza people are under collective punishment. Mm -hmm. Okay, collective punishment, and uh, and 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 this is not an easy situation to mm -hmm. live under. Uh, like the doctor mentioned, the status of the hospitals, according according to humanitarian reports, out of 
only one person, one individual has a bed in a hospital for everyone to understand where we're talking about out mm -hmm. of 1,000 people. This is the situation that Gaza has been living under and right. the reports are everywhere. Sarah, Humanitarian yeah. reports can be checked. Indeed. Yes. Sarah, let me just pick up on something you've said. And that is that yes, Israel madam. controls six border crossings into Gaza, Gaza and they're refusing to let aid in. Egypt, as you said, controls the Rafah crossing, uh, the Rafah crossing in, in southern Gaza. Now, there's been talk in the last few days of opening that crossing, uh, Rafah crossing, to let aid in through Egypt and also allow people, dual nationals, to get out of the Gaza Strip, right? Why has that not happened? What conditions is Egypt uh, putting on to allow that Rafa crossing to open? Or is it the Israelis? Who's putting the pressure on uh, a, a Rafa right now? Is it Egypt or is it the Israelis? Okay, I'll explain to you. Uh, this is the only crossing border that uh, 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 that is shared authority between Israel and Egypt. From our part, from the Egyptian border, it's open. And we have hundreds and tons of uh, resources to let into our brothers and sisters inside of Gaza. But the whole uh, 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 stalling comes from Israel part. The crossing border from our part is open, and with all the convoys, with tons of things waiting on the border, and Israel doesn't let it in. We needed, we needed something to guarantee that Israel would let the humanitarian into Gaza. So we said, we're not letting any other uh, uh, nationalities rather than the Palestinians get outside of that border. And we have foreigners, other uh, uh, nationality holders, uh, Americans, French, and everyone waiting on the border to be evacuated from the Rafah crossing border with Israel bombing the Rafah border from uh -huh. their side. So right. they don't even respect the other nationalities who are not Palestinians who are waiting to be evacuating. And that's an Egyptian condition. It's very important to point out that's an Egyptian condition. Just to pressure and force Israel to let the humanitarian aid in. And they didn't abide to that deal. We needed a deal settlement, just a fast deal to let the humanitarian convoys get into Gaza. And they didn't let that. First, mm -hmm. they uh, put a condition uh, to inspect the convoys and they are tons of convoys so but Egypt said we are responsible for that right. and we are responsible for letting the humanitarian uh, aid inside Gaza and okay. it's under our supervision with U.S. Uh, uh, of course supervision as well and Najla. they don't want to let the humanitarian aid in. Sarah uh, let me bring Najla, Najla on this. Najla what do you what is your understanding as to what's happening at the Rafah crossing with Egypt? Of course the aid could come in through uh, the border with Israel as well. Six crossings there, but there's been a lot of focus right now on Rafah. There are lots of aid convoys waiting outside of Rafah to cross into Gaza with aid, much needed aid. What is your understanding as to what's happening at that border crossing and the conditions in which this aid would be allowed into Gaza? You know, honestly, it's not very clear. Uh, I mean, it, it's very vague, even from trying to read from from the media. So I don't have, I don't, I can't claim I have any 
uh, more information, except that how we read it in, in, uh, in, in Gaza is that there's a concern also by the Egyptians that, uh, that this would be an, um, an evacuation that would lead to actually a transfer uh, kind of, of Palestinians to a refugee kind of state at the border. And, um, and you know, of course, Palestinians don't want that. Uh, the Egyptians uh, don't want that. And if um, if Israel is, is is pushing toward that or whatever um, um, some other uh, world leaders are involved in such uh, discussions or such plan, this is how it's kind of brought up in in, in the back of our minds uh, as Palestinians living here. Is uh, the minute I left my home from Gaza City to central Gaza, I had this fear immediately. Is this another 1948? Are we going to come back? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But on 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 the other side of uh, it's it's not clear if um, if um, if there is any uh, sincere. How can I say? I mean, Israel would not really um, okay. care much. I mean, it's, it's for them. It's it's their operation and their uh, their uh, you know their business that matters. It doesn't matter. Uh, okay. It's just the amount of pressure that, that they are put on uh, put under. To allow aid, mm -hmm. and it seems it's not enough. So this will will, uh, will have to it will have to be um, uh, seen in the coming days. Yeah. If the US no. will have more more uh, more of that pressure, is it only to evacuate their citizens or other nationality? It's really right. a chaos. Uh, a friend went to, to the border yesterday because uh, the minute they were saying that they have a window that they can go all uh, and and actually cross. Nobody mm. crossed, nothing. There was another uh, attack on the border. It's a total mess. Yeah. And uh, a friend on the other side uh, tells me, yeah, I mean, the, the cars, it is. Uh, the aid uh, yeah, trucks as are, people, are as, standing there. Yeah, as people congregate, congregate towards the southern uh, border with, with Gaza, there are, of course, uh, some cascading effects uh, that are being created there. Najla, I wanted to ask you one more uh, question. Um, about the aid before I bring back Dr. Maynard uh, to talk about what the most immediate needs are right now. Najla, I just wanted to ask you uh, about something Israel has said, and, and more specifically, the former Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, who said that Hamas is trying to prevent aid from coming into Gaza, accusing Hamas of taking some of the aid, uh, some of the goods that were left in the shelters that the UN had to evacuate from. Did you see any evidence of this, Najla? Um, any evidence that Hamas is preventing aid from coming in, as the Israelis say? Um, I haven't seen anything, and for sure I cannot comment on anything like that. But I, I mean, personally, I haven't heard, and that's the first time I hear about such a thing. Mm. Um, I think it doesn't make any sense, honestly, uh, because anyway, everyone knows that the the amount of aid that has been, for example, stockpiled at uh, at some UN agencies' um, stocks is hardly uh, enough for a short duration. Um, so I, I really don't think... Um, okay. I wouldn't imagine from where would this be coming from under all this heavy bombardment and as we see how there is nothing that moves into Gaza. Okay. I, I would doubt it uh, very much, but again, I don't have the full information. Let me bring in Dr. Maynard uh, now. Dr. Maynard, there are children still being born in Gaza today. There's no water still, little food, and the situation is becoming worse. What are the most urgent needs right now? What would you see those aid... Would you, would you like to see those aid convoys carrying into Gaza once they're allowed in?
Yes. I mean, I, th I think that the... I think it's rather fanciful to think that opening up one border at Rafa is going mm. to get enough aid in to service the whole of Gaza. Um, the, the, most of the roads from the hospitals have been destroyed. Certainly at Shifa, all the access roads have been bombed and are impassable. So the notion that, that large numbers of patients and, and civilians can be evacuated through one opening down at Rafa, I think, is, is frankly fanciful. Um, so... I, I think there needs to be a, a, a lift of the siege completely and the many more border crossings that can be opened from Israel need to be opened to allow aid to come in that way. Hmm. Uh, speaking from the UK perspective, I know medical aid for Palestine has got many healthcare workers who are poised to come and go in and help, and I'm sure other countries will be the same. So the minute the minute aid is allowed in, and it needs to be allowed in from all the borders, right. that and that really happen, needs to happen in the, in the next day or two. And even if the aid is allowed in, Dr Maynard, it's not going to be a light switch, is it? I mean, even if aid gets in, it doesn't mean that a humanitarian crisis is averted. M most certainly not, uh, because I think it's gone too far down that road now to, to, to avert it. Uh, and the, the, the grave risk of, of widespread infectious diseases will remain. Uh, there are many people who are injured uh, 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 and may not be saved anyway. So mm. it won't be an immediate turnaround. But I think once, once there is no fuel for the generators, once there is no water, once there, is no, there are no blood products which are running out, then there will be a total collapse of the healthcare system. Sarah, what about creating safe corridors? What's the potential for that to happen in the near future? Okay, I would like just to comment that today a UN uh, uh, Security Council resolution has been blocked as a, an initiative uh, to result in a resolution, of course, to stop the fire in Gaza, and that has been blocked. The UNRWA and the WHO and the UNICEF are doing great job, but it's, it's, it's very contradicting how the politics behind this conflict is blocking those UN agencies from carrying out their own missions. It's very important to uh, uh, point out that Israel has to respect human rights and let the humanitarian mm. corridors uh, uh, work out for all Palestinians. And stopping fire is a must first. And hopefully in the future, no UN Security Council resolutions mm -hmm. in that uh, matter would be blocked. Yeah, the, the politics are really important in all this. The, the US, we know, has appointed what they're saying is a special envoy for Middle Eastern humanitarian issues. President Biden is heading to the region in the next few days. Do you think Biden, Sarah, can push things all over the line when he visits uh, Wednesday on the humanitarian question? This is why Egypt's, uh, Egypt wanted the US uh, uh, supervision over that uh, fast deal to let the humanitarian aid in. And that's why President Abdel Fattah Sisi called for an international summit on the Palestinian cause next Saturday, 21st of October. And it's right. very important in this timing to stop and end this war. If President Biden wants to impress uh, uh, inside the no. US and out, he would okay. help in resolving this conflict. Najla,
I'll give you the last word in Gaza. I know you're talking to us under very difficult circumstances, very difficult conditions. What would you like to see happen in the immediate? What, would, what is your message to the international community today? Uh, my message to the international community is, uh, is actually a question. Until when, I mean, what should happen to stop this, to make this madness stop? Um, because once we are focusing on the humanitarian crisis, we're also forgetting that Israel is killing every day tens of Palestinians and also destroying more and more of the infrastructure and of our uh, neighborhoods uh, in, in, in Gaza. And uh, it's simply nobody's able to stop stop that. And uh, I think the world should uh, should stop this uh, double standard. Uh, and remember that we are equally human, Palestinians and uh, and the rest of the world. The other thing is that there must be an immediate immediate uh, humanitarian ceasefire, at least to try and, and, and minimize the, the hardship in the shelters where there are thousands of people mm. suffering every minute. And I, I'm, I'm only experiencing a sample of that. Right. And it's, it's very, very difficult. Najla, thank, thank you, you so much. Najla, thank you for talking to us. Najla Shawad, Dr. Nick Maynard and Sarah Kira. Thank you to all three of you for joining us on Inside Story today. This episode was produced by Mohamed El Aishi, Fintan Monahan, Fungi Nguyen, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Dragan Vrankovic. The program was edited by Alexander Otasevich, Zena Badar, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for our next episode. Coming up on the take. As the war on Gaza continues, what does the escalation and violence look like for Palestinians in the occupied West Bank? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.